Welcome to Daha Chinese History and Culture Podcast. Here we are offering you the constructional Chinese history and what's the thoughts, origins, and background knowledge behind the stories. We also provide several Chinese vocabularies related with the story to help you understand and memorize. Let's get started. Hi everyone, I'm Jill, the co-host and a Chinese language teacher in Dahua Chinese. Hi, I'm Caroline. I'm the founder of Dahua Chinese. Today, we're going to talk about the origin of fashion, which can be traced back to ancient China. The reason why China was the center of the ancient world's fashion power is because of a legendary figure, as the goddess of weaving, Lei Zu. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The lady was remarkable. She made ancient China control almost half of the GDP of the Roman Empire. Dun dun. <laughs> she was the Yellow Emperor's wife, which is a Huangdi's wife. Without her, we wouldn't have the famous Silk Road, Sichou Zhilu. Later on, Lei Zu is said to be from the legendary era. The first person to discover how to weave silk from silk worms.、Mm, exactly. Ancient China's textile technology existed even before recorded history, and Lei Zu was the one who invented these techniques. She discovered that silk can be transformed into thread and woven into beautiful silk fabrics, which is. I heard she also taught people the art of weaving everywhere she went. That's right. After inventing farming these techniques, she traveled to many places to teach people how to make silk. The silk. She passed away during her travel. So yeah, <laughs> so people、uh, in ancient times honored her and called her the silk. Godness, which is the Sichou 女神 and because she traveled extensively, many also believed that she was the goddess of travel, which is the 旅行女神 and perhaps she blessed the merchants and the caravans traveling on the Silk Road, the Sichou 之路 All right. Before we dive into today's story, let's take a look at the key vocabularies for today. The first one, 先驱先驱 means pioneer. The second one, 文明文明 means civilization. Last one, 贡献贡献 means contribution. First, 先驱 means Pioneer. We can make sentence with "xianqu" as someone is a kind of specific field. The xianqu, for example, 碎人事是用火的先驱碎人事 is a pioneer in the use of fire. Yes. So the Lei Zu we talked about today, the Lei Zu is. The 纺织业的先驱 So Lei Zu is the pioneer of the textile technology and industry. True. Second, 文明 means civilization. 
In previous episode, we mentioned the ancient Chinese civilization, 古中国文明 But when you heard 文明 in China, it not only means the civilization, but also extended to being polite and reasonable. So you would say, 他是一个文明人 means he or she. It's highly educated and being polite. So we mentioned about all the things about Wen, and the things about Wen is like the Wen Zi is the word, literature is Wen Xue, and culture is Wen Hua, and the civilization is Wen Ming. So you can see the Wen is actually about something like literacy or、uh, culture or some soft power. <laughs> so yeah. So the ancient Greek civilization is 古希腊文明 and the ancient Egypt civilization is 古埃及文明 and Maya civilization, 玛雅文明 Last but not least, 贡献 means contribution. We could say 他有很大的贡献 He made a great contribution, or 他做了很多贡献 He made a lot of contributions.、Mm. So there are many great 贡献 contributions from the sage kings that we mentioned before,、mm. like 燧人氏发现火 The 燧人氏 discovered the fire, and 蚩尤发现金属资源 The Chiyou discovered the metal resource, and Nuwa Shoubutian, the Nuwa fixed the sky. They are all the contribution, 贡献 to our civilization, 文明 And now we have the three words, which is the pioneer, 先驱 civilization, 文明 and contribution, 贡献 So now let's get into the story. Who was Lei Zu? Lei Zu, also known as Xiliang Shi, was a legendary Chinese empress and the wife of Huang Di. She was said to be the pioneer, Xin Chu, that discovered sericulture and invented the silk loom. In light of the legend, Lei Zu first found out what exactly silkworms were while having afternoon tea, and a cocoon fell into her tea. It slowly unraveled. And she was enchanted by it. The heat of the tea unwrapped the silk, and a fine thread started to separate itself from the silkworm cocoon. Lei Zu realized she could unwind this soft, lovely thread around her finger. In this way, the civilization, Wenming, of silk farming was magically born. After this, silk was widely and popularly utilized to weave into cloths. Lei Zu. Shared her discoveries with others, and the knowledge became widespread in China, which was all indebted to the great contribution, Gongxian, of Lei Zu. The Legend of the God of Silkworms. Because of the significant contribution, Gongxian, of Lei Zu, to Chinese civilization, Wenming, she was praised as the God of Silkworms. Another version indicated that the god of silkworms was also known as the horse-head goddess. The legend came from a girl and a white horse. 
The girl asked the horse to help her bring her father back with the promise of marrying it. The white horse did it, yet the girl refused to marry it. Oh. To stay with her for good, the horse used its skin to cover up the girl, taking her away. This cocoon of skin, white and round as a horse's head, resembled the shape of a silk cocoon. Some believed this girl was the god of silkworms, while others thought this story was just mistakenly spread and Leitsu was the true one. Since the cocoon looked like a horse's head, the god of silkworms, Leitsu, was named the horse head goddess. Other important contribution of Leitsu in addition to being the pioneer of sericulture, Leitsu, as the empress, established dozens of models for morals. For instance, people had to respect the elder and protected the kids, the husbands and wives had to love and respect each other. Since then, people were all leading satisfying and stable lives, which further improved Chinese civilization, Wenming. Still, Leitsu is a ubiquitous object of worship in modern China. Even though Leitsu had made great contribution to sericulture and Chinese civilization, Wenming, the truth was that silk was indeed too costly to afford for the majority of people. Chances were that in that era of Huangdi and Leitsu, silk farming did not really make its mark. Let's review three Chinese words that you've heard in this episode. 1. Xinqu, a pioneer. 2. Wenming, the civilization. 3. Gongxin, the contribution. Now, let me tell you some extra knowledge. Leitsu had two sons, one was Xiaoxiao, and the other was Chengyi. The son of Chengyi was the well-known Zhuanxu who later took over the position of Huangdi as the next great leader. And he also brought the significant change of ancient people's worship of God in ancient China. Let's talk about the Silk Road. This is a very big topic, and it affects both the Eastern and Western world until now. Yeah. The Silk Road allowed Europeans to discover the beautiful and lightweight fabric called silk, the Sichou. And in the historical record of ancient Rome, China was referred to as Syria, meaning the land of silk. This had a significant impact on their politics and economy. Wow, that's a very beautiful name. <laughs> so, before the Silk Road reached Europe from China, did Europeans have silk clothes? Mm, no, they don't. At that time, most of the Europeans wore cotton or linen fabrics. When did they first start encountering silk? They started to buy silk from the ancient Persians. But how did the ancient Persians come into contact with silk? Well, they bought it from ancient China, of course. I mean, how did they meet? Okay, 
it couldn't have been through Aldora Amon's anywhere door, right? <laughs> so actually, there are natural barriers between China and the Middle Asia. In the northern region, there's the Gobi Shamo, the Gobi Desert, and in the south, there's the Taklamakan Desert, which is called Taklamakan Shamo in Chinese, and followed by the Qinghai and Tibet Plateau. So transportations between them was hindered. However, during the ancient times, there were many oases within the Taklamakan Desert, and around these oases, there were ancient kingdoms. So we can infer the Persian Empire traded with or even occupied these kingdoms to obtain silk. So these small kingdoms near the Alsis already had commercial contact and interaction with ancient China. Ha ha ha! Actually, the first person to go to these Alsis kingdoms and make contact was the Zhang Qian. Ah,、uh, the person that made a big contribution, the big 贡献 to the Han Empire、uh, during the Han Dynasty, of course. And we will talk about his story later. But interestingly, because silk, silchou, was a fascinating and beautiful textile for people at that time, it remained highly valuable for centuries, even during the Crusades. About a thousand years later. Silk, silchou, could be exchanged like gold. So, silk and similar products were probably used by wealthy palaces and nobility. That's right. What was their reaction when they first saw silk? In the early days of ancient Rome, one of their three consuls, Crassus, was at war with the Persian. Empire and the Parthians used silk as their flags, and、uh, when the silk shimmered in the sunlight, it looked as if they were blessed by the gods. So Rome ended up losing the battle. <laughs> so、mm. that was their first encounter with silk,、mm. and it inspired a sense of reverence towards it. Maybe yeah. Um, later during the Roman Republic. They enjoyed watching plays in theaters together with the nobility, and Caesar wore a garment made of silk, silchou, that also glimmered in the sunlight. <laughs> so people at that time believed that he was a leader, the chosen one, blessed by God, which indirectly helped legitimize his rule and bestowed a sense of sacredness. So silk was not only used as a currency, but also had a sacred symbolism. I would say it initially made everyone feel that this item was extremely valuable. It was not easily obtainable, so it was very expensive. Its beauty gave it a sense of sacredness, and only later did it become a form of currency. So, did the wealthy people at that time rush to buy this rare and precious silk? Of course, if you were a businessman, I believe you would like to do silk business, right? Hmm. 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 
So like half of ancient Rome's GDP was spent on silk. Because of this, a large amount of gold flowed from Europe to the Han Empire, and the Roman king even ordered a ban on wearing silk. Some scholars argued that silk had transparency, making women appear vulgar and promiscuous. But the most famous silk road. I've heard of is during the Tang Dynasty. So, can you tell us about the periods in Chinese history when the Silk Road for trade was most developed? The Tang Dynasty was indeed the most glorious period. By then, there had been a thousand years of accumulation since the Han Dynasty was the long term. So along the Silk Road, the Sichou Zhi Lu, there were many Buddhist sacred sites like Dunhuang, where there were also many idols. And additionally, the Tang Empire was thriving, so exchanges between East and West was very flourished. Like there was a very famous poet in Tang Dynasty called Li Bai, and he was actually a Kyrgyz. What? How did he become so famous in China then? Well, he went to the prosperous big cities at that time to develop his career. Just go to a more prosperous place for the better career. That's very common to see. Like Lisa from the girl group the Blackpink. That sounds like he was the ancient Chinese equivalent of a K-pop trainee. Finding <laughs> success in China from his hometown—that's right—and it is said he was even a white person. He's not、uh, looks like Chinese, so which might be why he called himself Li Bai, which means actually white Li. <laughs> He was also called Tai Bai, right?、Uh, so Tai means very, too, <laughs> T O O,、uh, and Bai means white. So does that means very white? <laughs> white. I'm I'm Li White, and I'm very white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So later on, during the age of discovery, was there a maritime Silk Road as well? Yeah, indeed. In the Tang Dynasty, they lost a war against the Arabs, which resulted in the Silk Road being blocked. After that, some people traveled from Mongolia to Europe, taking a route known as the Grassland Silk Road, which is also called Steppe Road. And later, as Arab maritime technology became more advanced, they also opened up the maritime Silk Road. And the route continued until the Ming Dynasty. And due to there were many pirates at that time, it eventually began to halt. So the Silk Road was named after beautiful product silk. Were there any items that traveled from the west to the east that the audience might be curious about? Definitely. Um, like cucumber, you would like to put in your noodles, <laughs> and the garlic, grapes, something like pepper, were all brought from the west to ancient China. So we create many yummy food by that, right? Yeah, and also the cucumber. The name was Wu Gua because it was from the far country, right? And then later the name become Huang Gua. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> that's. 
That's the name of the cucumber. cucumber. Wow. All right. That's all for today. Hope you like the Silk Road theme. If you know something that we did not mention in this episode, feel free to share with us through the comments, and we will record another one to discuss deeper. You can also join our Facebook page by clicking the link below. Also follow us on Instagram, Da Hua Chinese. You can also send us personal messages. We would love to hear from you.、Mm. If you are interested in a clear framework of Chinese dynasties, historical background, art, and lifestyles in different period, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Great!、Mm-hmm. Let's see you in the group as well as in the next episode of Da Hua Chinese History and Culture Podcast. Bye bye.